What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Young Poppy. <laughs> or Big Poppy. Whichever What's one you up, like everybody? better. Buddy, it's your boy, Sam. No nickname. Chris, the star of the show. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. And we are the roommates, and this is the Conduit Podcast Network, and we're shooting on a Sunday night. Guys, Woo! we almost didn't make it. We almost didn't make it. But we made it. We hey, made it. First of all, the Rockets won, so let's turn up for that. Don't nobody care about that. Hey, what's hey, the, what's just because the, Dallas sucks. Whoa. Mean whoa. Dirk is trash. Whoa. Nobody whoa, cares whoa, about whoa, basketball. Little Elvis trash. Why are you guys yelling? <laughs> DeRoe is trash. You're talking about who else is trash? I don't trash care about DeRoe, but how you gonna how you gonna talk down on the LE? Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Man, the where Cowboys did you, trash. Where did you just come from? I came from Din. That's not Dallas. Oh, hold on. Wait. Shout out Real Chris. Just had just got married. Shout out Chris. Real hot. Chris got married. What was it yesterday? So yeah, Chris, No, it was uh, Friday. So Real Chris, Chris the father. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Chris, That's Chris fine. the father. You want to call him First of all, man, Chris's family is hilarious. Uh. Not trying to downplay Kim's family, but I hung out with Chris's family, his father, and the man act black, but he not. And that's kind of <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> Shout out to real Chris, married man, enjoying Shout those marital benefits. Him. He is, uh, yeah, oh yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. Hey, he's in Cancun right now, probably. Oh, he's in deep, Cancun. <laughs> hey, boy. I don't know. Dang, that's <laughs> hey. a new level. <laughs> Anyways, shout out to all his family coming down from New York. I'm just really proud and happy for Chris. Hey, Amen. Young black marriage, young black marriage, young Shout black out. marriage. We gotta, we gotta touch on that one day. He barely black though. Yeah, he is Ooh, barely black. That's offensive. But his skin, offensive. his skin is black. His skin is black-ish. So then they throw him under that that He's you know black that, and brown. that big race black race circle. Yeah. I'm low key kind of mad at him, but I don't want to talk about it. We won't talk about it. Sam, how's your week been? Ah, uh, my week has been so so. Mm. Yeah, but nothing really to complain about. Friday sucked. Uh, I got a, I have a, I have a losing problem. You do. I have a losing problem, <laughs> guys. I hate. Hate, hate, hate losing. Mm. I think more than anything. I think that might be a good thing. And and I got man, I get out of control. I'm talking about anger problems. I I threw a fit Friday. <laughs> I threw a fit. <laughs> I lost and then I I slammed the basketball and I stormed out. Oh, I'm out of here. I stormed <laughs> out. I stormed out. Grown man yeah. stormed out. Yeah. But other than that, man, I saw HB this week. Shout out to HB. Got a haircut. Told me about Jamaica. Jamaica, and just, Jamaica. I bet he never been to Jamaica. What a beautiful he place he went, it is. He to went visit. Um, last month. Nah, he showed me. He showed me. Show me the pictures too. So much natural beauty. You talking about as in women? Both. Everything. But I was talking about. Oh, you the, look. You gave me a land. look. That's why you, you said natural women. You gave me a look. Everybody <laughs> listening, I did not give Chris a look. <laughs> I did not give Chris a look. Yeah, but what? I don't know what else happened. Mm. Oh man, I didn't say this last week. But I need to say it now. Say it now. Charlie Murphy, rest in peace. Mm. Gosh. Rest Charlie in Murphy. peace. Charlie Murphy. You <laughs> black. <laughs> he said he was the best storyteller ever. Best storyteller oh, ever. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close, bro. True Hollywood stories probably changed my life. <laughs> Rick Talking James. About Rick Jan- even, even the one with Prince. Who knew oh, yeah, Prince man. could hoop? <laughs> I didn't know Prince could hoop. Rest in peace, Prince, too, man. And Rick James. All of them are dead. They all, they all Who else going to die next? He's gone. I swear, bro, they take Ashley Larry from me. Darnell. <laughs> <laughs> Darnell Roggins, bro. Darnell. Oh, uh, man. I'm re-SPN. That's cool. That's nah, cool. Nah. Yeah, bro. Man, my... Oh, I, oh go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, know go ahead. I know it's premature, but I got to shout out my homegirl, Morgan. Morgan? Yeah, from Houston, Morgan Texas, Aroma? man, via... Ohio, the OH. I kind of talked OH, down on Ohio, Ohio last week, but that was just for her to get her attention. Did Ohio, she listen to it? Yeah, she does. Okay. Ohio, I love you. <laughs> I was talking crap last week. Y'all are great. 
Except LeBron. LeBron's not great. Mm. You just wait, time about you you just said he was the second best player to ever play this game. Uh, Three hours ago you said that. I, nah, nope. Nah. <laughs> so Hafiz, can you confirm I that? I can thing? confirm that statement. You're a liar. You're a liar. You guys peach you shirt lying? you got this on is, right this now. This, this, this is libel. This is, this is false speech. What's false that? speech. False speech? Oh, uh, was it uh, alternative facts? Yeah. <laughs> Stop lying to the people, sir. Stop uh, lying on me. Yeah. Well, my week my week was my week was rough. My week was rough, man. I got I got I got a vent. Get I got a vent. I got to get it off the chest. Get it off my chest. I mess up a lot. Uh-huh. I mess up a lot. Here we, we all go. mess up. You see, my problem in life is, you see, I'm a doer. And when you're a doer like me, you end up doing too much. As Mark always says, some people get in trouble for um going too far. Some people get in trouble for not going far enough. I'm the one that gets in trouble for going too far. And, man, I messed up. I messed up, man. You going to explain? Uh, uh, to, to an extent. To, to an extent. You going to keep it a little ambiguous? I'm going to keep it a little ambiguous, man. Um, if you've ever seen Hitch, there was a scene where Sarah Mila, played by Eva Mendes, came to Hitch's apartment after the whole speed dating debacle. And she was trying to talk some sense into him about how she apologized for jumping to conclusions about who he was and his job, this, that, and third. And then Hitch said to her, he said, usually with women, I only go to a certain point before I let them go. I'm paraphrasing here. And that point for you was last week. And so basically what Hitch was saying was he's not used to like committing and doing the right thing. So when it comes to being deep in a relationship or deep with a woman, he doesn't know how to handle it. So he kind of dips. And for me, I didn't I didn't like cheat or anything like that. I didn't cheat or anything like that. Just to clarify, just <laughs> to clarify to the to the American people, but like I guess for me it was just like um being being not being able to, no, this is kind of hard right now. I'm on the spot. You guys are staring at me. <laughs> hey, okay. We can just cut it right there. But you kind of got everybody kind of. Oh, you know, I know, I'm, go I ahead, know everybody ahead. wants to hear the rest. No, I know, I know. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go ahead. Cliffhanger. <laughs> well, like, uh, dang, this thing almost knocked me out. No, this is what? Okay, I'm focused. So for me, there's a point with ladies that I'm used to not being there anymore after like a certain period of time. And with this one girl I was talking to, I got to that period of time and then I didn't know what to do. So like an idiot, I just started doing, just started doing self-destructive habits and just saying things I shouldn't have said and do things I shouldn't have done. And then I really messed things up. And now I'm like in a super doghouse that I may not be able to redeem myself from. And so that's basically the gist of it. Oh, okay. And so now I'm really sad because it's like, dang, man, I messed up a good thing. But hopefully I didn't mess it up too badly. But I'm I'm in a, I'm in a serious doghouse, guys. Yeah. Shoot. And I'm sad. I'm not even lie to you. I've been sad. I'm really sad. Sometimes I can't tell when Hafiz is. We're actually really roommates. Let me just preface <laughs> that. So so some I see Hafiz a lot. You know, we live together. But sometimes I can't tell whenever he's really sad. And then I, I definitely can't tell what he's sad about. So this is this is yeah. informative. This is informative. I mean, 
And it's kind of surprising. Yeah, it's new to me. Yeah, it's, it's it's news to me, man. You can live with somebody and not know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, Hafiz, I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. You already know. We've already had this conversation. Yeah, we already had this I am conversation. Uh, just as self-destructive. <laughs> I don't understand. But I don't feel remorse for it. <laughs> you no heart having yeah. son yeah. of a gun. I definitely feel remorse. I understand. You said what? Thank you, Chris. You said you understand? And I said I don't understand. Oh, you don't understand? What, what you understand? I mean, if you, I don't know, man. What's the point of even talking to a girl? I don't know. Wait, it's no, hard. say, say, spit it out. What are you trying to say? What's the point of talking to a girl if you don't want nothing serious? No, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, no, I'm at, why would you self-destruct it? Like, what are you afraid of? Because I might be afraid of the same thing. That's what I'm asking. Well, bum, okay. Bum, let, bum, bum, bum. Here's, here's what it is. Here, here's what it is. is it's like, I guess for me, when I've talked to girls in my past, something goes wrong. And so I'm just like something, something's gonna go wrong, in my mind. I'm just I'm just thinking about it. And so then I make something out of nothing. So it's fear. Yeah, it's fear. It's definitely fear that something's gonna go wrong. With on her side or your side? Just between us, something's gonna happen, and then she's gonna disappear. Like you know how I have that problem. Mm-hmm. Like like I'm like it's one of my fears. Like okay, I don't want this girl to disappear. Like so I'm like something's gonna happen between us. So let me just ruin it now. So so let me bring conflict for no reason. And just see you know what I mean? Like it's just it's so irrational. It's very rational thinking, but it's like, dang man, something's gonna go wrong. Let me control it. You know what I mean? Like an idiot. Let me control the conflict because it's gonna come. So I'm just gonna bring it regardless. Yeah, I'm different. Well, my reason is different. My fear is way different. <laughs> What's your fears? Maybe it'll make me feel better. Just to make you feel, oh, my fear is failing again. Not um, of, of you yeah, know. that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's it's similar to that. Oh well, yeah, I definitely don't want to fail again. That's uh, yeah, that's tragic. So I just avoid the situation altogether. Yeah, I, I think all of us probably day. got the same their root. I don't I want guess. it. I don't. Gosh, I can't go through <laughs> yeah. another breakup again. I'm be honest with y'all. Shoot. I can't do that. I'm not doing that. I won't do that. It's not happening. Yeah, man, it's a lot of expectations to live up to, like yeah. a real relationship. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, that was a hard semester. Anyways, the Rockets won. Dag Nabbit. Wait, and, no, uh, let's not let's not stay away from this point man, because I feel like people been, people. It, bro. I I no, I want I want to I, I want to mope, but I feel like people need to hear that sometimes as men you gotta you gotta be honest. You know what I mean? You gotta get it out. Okay. I feel like sometimes when you when like when you're a guy is like oh just be tough. Oh man, you got these feelings. Oh, do, do, do. you know what I mean? Like they put on this super bravado that we as men have to live up to. And I feel like it's important sometimes just be honest and to be transparent and to say I don't have things all together and I'm hurting. No, I say that off top now. I'm like, yeah. look, I'm jacked up. I'm let you know that right now. Yeah, bro. Same with me, man. Jacked y'all know, up and indecisive. <laughs> y'all know what my thing is, man. I'm selfish. Yes, yeah, you guys know I'm selfish, man. It's something like I, of course, I can grow, but it's just it's just really hard for me. Yeah. Always second guessing. <sighs> man, like, do I? Is it really worth me giving up your the freedoms yeah. and the time Gosh, that I have? Like I, you don't know. If you don't do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, sorry so guys. I'll move on. I'll move move on. But I just want to say, if you're listening, she probably doesn't even listen to this podcast. It's a sad thing about it. She doesn't even listen. But let's say she decided to listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He's really hurt. I could tell. I'm really hurt. When when I can't open my eyes, (laughs) that's that's when you know I'm so drained. Like, I'm emotionally distraught. Yeah. Please forgive me. That's what, you know, that's what Irby asked about. He's like, hey, man, is he good? I was like, hey, you about to find out? Go ahead and dedicate a song, bro. 
a song. Sound Red like bone. Sounds like we're on the quiet start. <laughs> <laughs> I saw baby. I know that I hurt you. Oh my god. I know you're running around with that other oh, guy, crap. but I don't care. <laughs> I just want you back. What song is that? <laughs> That's that boys and <laughs> <of> men. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's uh, the most pitiful thing I've heard. I, had a, I, had I know. That's literally the most pitiful thing. I know, thing. boy. You better, you better escape. <laughs> it's fishing to see. I know you were around with the other guy. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I don't care. Baby, just, just come back. back. <laughs> just come back. What's, God dang it. What's the song? Hey, bro. Love is dangerous. But what's the song? Is it End of the Road? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely hey, End of the Road. I have, a, I have a playlist when I get hurt. This is sad. <laughs> this is sad. I know, if you ever hear someone playing X Factor, you know something went yeah. down. Or if someone plays X Factor. Doing it wrong by Drake. Yeah. Woo! Hey, know, my playlist. Look, look what it's called. It's called Heartbreak. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, um, let me go ahead and write, um, um, speak the track, listening to the people. Oh Lord. You start off with the wounds by listening to X Factor by Lauryn Hill. Ooh. Oh, then you go. I, I wish it would rain by the Temptations. Oh no. <laughs> then you go. Have you ever by Brandy? Oh dang. Have you seen her by the Shy Lights? <laughs> this is where you get your you get your revenge, and if you think you're lonely now, by Bobby Womack. You <laughs> then you go contagious by the Icy Brothers. Just my imagination with the temptations. <laughs> he's, he's getting happier. Um, he's break going my up. heart with um, Tony Braxton. Okay. <laughs> Can you stand the rain? New edition. Okay. Burn Usher. <laughs> okay. I'll be there, Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Try sleeping with a broken heart, Alicia Keys. Bro, Don't on? leave me. Is that who? Who's that? Is that Black, Black, Black Street? Street. Don't Black Street. Don't disrespect Black Street. No. You are not alone, by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Killing me softly with the uh, the Fugees, Anna the Row, Boys and Men. And you finish it off by I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Oh. <laughs> and you finish it off. That's my heartbreak playlist. That's an open ending. You guys will be hearing that tonight. Now you got to add uh, um, uh, Wait For You by Elliot Yaman. Hey, Yaman. bro, if you want to wanna really recover, I got you, bro. I got you. I, I want to wallow. On the whole list. No, no, no. If you want to bounce back. Uh, you put deuces on. I got you. Oh, deuces is a good track. But I, deuces is a But if you listen to the lyrics on Tiger's part, it was kind of, it's, it's a little sad. Listen to Unfortunate. You, no, you listen to the remix. Listen, listen to Unfortunate with Trey Songs. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's fortunate. That's oh, unfortunate. Uh -huh. yeah, unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. That's hey, good one. That's good one. And then listen to, listen to songs like Fumble. Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Mm. That's hey, how you but bounce back. I, I'm going to bounce back, though. She'll forgive me. Going to bounce back. Like so, two, three, let's go ahead. Four, take a quick commercial break. We are the roommates, and this is the Conduit Podcast Network. <laughs> Okay, we are back, we are back, we are back. I'm sorry about the little sadness. People. Don't leave! <laughs> Don't leave! <laughs> sorry about the sadness, people, but sometimes you got to get it out your chest. You got to get it out, get it out, get it out. So, and hey, I'm sorry. If you like what you see, turn off your TV and do it. Zoom, zoom. All right, let's focus. Mm. This week, me and Sam, no, this week... Shout out to Charlemagne the God, or I like I like, or as I like to call him, Charlemagne the Blasphemer, uh, has a new <laughs> book called "Black Privilege: Opportunity Comes to Those Who Make It." And man, I really enjoyed the book. Charlemagne is—he's ridiculously transparent, bro. Like he's ridiculously transparent. <laughs> he talks about being in jail. <laughs> And dudes are masturbating on the bunk, the bunk in front of him. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to know him. <laughs> Charlamagne's been in jail. Yeah, he's been in jail like three times. I don't need. But to know it's just so much. He 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 tells all these details that you just do not need to hear at all. Yeah. But uh, but so basically, the idea behind the book is self empowerment 
is not seeing your skin color as a liability, but seeing your skin color as a privilege and seeing that God has divinely made you you and you have all the talent skills to be able to be successful and be who he called you to be. I like the overall message. I'm super, super excited about it. And I wanted to jump into a conversation and and this is not really like a political super sociological conversation but really just a to open dialogue about just some of the ideas of how as african americans we we look to all these obstacles in societies uh, the the systemic oppression the i.e. white supremacy all these things we look at all these obstacles and we're we're perplexed by them right we're so perplexed by them that so many people don't even try like whenever I come home from work, we live in where we live at again. South Park. South Park. We live at South Park, and I always drive by the um, the Shell gas station right off MLK. Now that's that's a dangerous gas station. I, I drive there by there every day, and literally the same like fifteen to twenty people just outside all day long, just all day long. And I drive around the neighborhood on my lunch break, men, women just hanging out all day long. And the look on their faces is a look of defeat. And I just see, man, so many of our, so many of, especially the black people in these predominantly black neighborhoods are so defeated by the apparent system, right? And so I was like, man, what can we do to encourage? What can we do to uplift? What can we do to help people see that, man, your life isn't, like your life isn't in shambles because you're black. Yes, there is things that are holding you back, but the color of your skin does not dictate your future, you know. And I always wanted to have that conversation with you guys. There's a bunch of ideas bouncing in my brain, but I just wanted to just start off by, man, what do you guys think about that? Do you guys are you guys feeling the same kind of sentiments that I'm feeling? Yeah. So Charlemagne, I remember the first time I heard him. Speak kind of on black issues, yeah. uh, just about our conditioning in this country and things like that. And I was taken aback at first, but over time, as I've heard him speak more and more about it, I've come to realize that his the what he has to say is very valuable, is very important. Uh, what Charlemagne is talking about, black black privilege, is not a response to white privilege. You get what I'm saying? Like it's not they got white privilege. Well, you got this instead. Nah, that's not what it is. White privilege. I mean, there, it's real. There's some things white people have, but when you talk about black privilege, it doesn't even involve that. What black privilege is is just Charlemagne really trying to educate black people and let them know that they have inherent value. That anything a white person is capable of, they're capable of too. That there's gifts and things that you've been blessed with as a black man, and we don't have to look at our and we don't have to look at life through a lens of they have white privilege, so I'm below them. It's I'm black, I'm beautiful, I've got worth, I've got talent, I can achieve. That's what black privilege is. <laughs> Not necessarily as getting anything, but just just pretty much, man, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. You get what I'm saying? And that's man, I'm you mean I mean Charlemagne talks a lot of crap, but he knows his worth. He knows he knows the worth of black people in general, man. And I feel like his message is probably something we need to focus on more. That's what's going to lift us out of the situation that we're in. So, man, 
Shout out to Charlemagne. And man, uh, what we need to be fighting to get, what we need to be fighting for is black privilege for each and every one of our children, adults, anyone in the struggle, and not so much against white privilege. We need to fight against that as well, but man, let's focus on us, black mm. privilege. Mm. Oh, it's my turn. It's your turn. Man. <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, agree with uh, what you said, Sam, and what Charlemagne is talking about. And just to not really, you know, beat a dead horse, but there are people out there that are already doing that. Um, shout out to the Houston area Urban League. These people are uh, African-Americans, corporate uh, world people that are volunteering, giving up their time, um, giving up their day to not only educate um, people that's also in the Urban League and the communities, but um, but also themselves. Uh, so I think just like uh, like you said, we just have to get the word out more. And uh, people just have to get involved in a vehicle that's going to uh, pursue black privilege and black excellence because there are already stuff out there that already they are already doing that. Um, so that's kind of like my take is because I don't want to say the same thing you said because I think it was said perfectly. Um, but if, if we want to get involved, there are organizations, there's stuff out there that can allow us to do that. We have to sit here and come up with something and brain, brainstorm something to start a whole new organization when you literally have the, the Urban League was started to do that, to, to move forward black people in the workplace, in the communities, professionally, spiritually, personally, emotionally, all of it. So that's what, that's my take on it. Yeah, that's good. I think, uh, yeah, that's very valuable. But I think, uh, I guess what I think we need to kind of answer next is just, I know we've, we may have had a conversation about this before, but I guess, how do you think, how do you think, like, learning about white privilege kind of, kind of puts us in a, in a worse position? Yeah. I, I know I kind of gave you the answer already, but just, yeah. Tell we me talked about, about we talked about that before yeah. on the show. Yeah. And here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. I'm gonna go to my life. I grew up obviously I'm not African American. I'm Nigerian American. Both my parents from Nigeria they moved here before I was born. I was born in Staten Island, New York, but both my parents are Nigerian. But I never grew up with the idea of because somebody's white, they're better than me. I never I never had that idea. I never like I never had the like that movie Inception. That idea was never planted in my brain that because of the color <laughs> of my skin, somebody's going to advance higher than me in society, higher than me in society. Be, for that very reason, I never saw a limit to anything. Like if I wanted to like in my mind, if I wanted to be the president, I knew I could be the president. Like there was no limitations. And so that freedom of thinking allowed me to have the utmost boldness to pursue all of my dreams relentlessly. And I really feel like for so many people, and I know white privilege is a thing, but in my opinion, white, pri white privilege, yes, is a systematic issue, but everybody has privilege. You know what I mean? Jews have privilege. Nowadays, gays have privilege. A Asians have privilege. Everybody has their own set of privilege, right? And and I hope I'm not jumping around a bit, but I feel like even some of white pri privilege is really birthed out of nepotism, right? This idea of you help your family succeed 
because they're your family. And when the Europeans, and most of it was the British people, when they came to America, who was their family? Other white people. So who were they giving jobs to? Other white people. So some of white privilege, I just see it as, as common nepotism. Because what do, what are we going to do now? We're going to help our children. What are our children going to be? Our children going to be black. We're going to help our friends. What are our friends going to be? They're going to be black. So yeah, there is institutions and systems that they set up to help them succeed, but we can create those same institutions and systems the way the Jews do. Like the Jews came to America they weren't white they were oppressed obviously they weren't slaves there was other situations but they came and they built their own systems and so i feel like to answer your original question with this idea of focusing so much on this system of oppression man that's not helping us and all these other races that succeeded in america when they don't view the system that's oppressing them, and instead they focus in on building systems to help them succeed, there's so much benefit and value to that over the latter. Yeah, I think what it is is it builds self-defeating behavior within us. Yeah. Like, whenever I look at the world through a sense of, like, I'm being oppressed, I'm it's almost like I'm destined to fail already yeah. because I feel like because of certain forces outside of my control, I can't achieve the same thing. And I think that's a, a lot of what we see in our communities, uh, mm-hmm. living in South Park, living in South Park, Texas, man, like, just like whenever I'm going to a corner store and I'm seeing the same 15 dudes right behind it every single day, that's self-defeating behavior. Like, I can't get a job for this and this reason. And some of it is true. Like, man, yeah. they truly have been discriminated against. Like, yeah. the neighborhoods that we live in, the ghettos that have been created, like, they they were created on purpose, not by accident. Like, the discrimination, all those kind of things, they're... They're true. Housing, loan, education, all of it is real. But when we shift our focus to, man, our value and what's in, like, our intrinsic, like, gifts, you know, like, it changes the whole equation. Like, whenever we get out of that mindset that we're lesser, that we can't achieve the same thing, it changes everything, kind of like what you were saying, man. And And then even so what? You know what I mean? Like, Here's the thing. They're going to oppress you because you're black. So what? I'm still like it's it's if the oppressor is going to be against me, me complaining and whining about it is not going to change. I still got to face it. Yeah. I still got to get up and face it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to neglect because a lot of people are going through some serious struggle. And I don't want to be um, insensitive and neglect the difficulties they're going through because it's real and it's hurtful. Uh-huh. But man, but at the end of the day, like we have to help build our people up. It is our responsibility. Yeah, that's probably what it's about, man. That's probably what it's about. I mean, no doubt that's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about Chinese Americans, Jewish Americans, Italian Americans, Korean Americans, whatever American, the immigrants that made this country. They focused on themselves Mm -hmm. and they built themselves up. They had their traditions, they had their values and they came together and they lifted each other up. I think I was I was reading earlier this week that I mean, this is an anomaly, of course, but I think it said 48 percent of billionaires in the United States are Jewish. Mm. 48 percent. And then I saw another one, of course, that said 100 out of the 400 billionaires in the United States is is Jewish. And I mean, (laughs) they they work together, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they focus on their community. They built themselves up. They had the values and things that they were going for. And I mean, look at them. Mm. Look at them. Nigerian Americans. That's another great example, man. Like how 
how they doing right now, Hafiz, yeah. our resident Nigerian American. Yeah, so real quick, um, the average white American family brings in about $54,000 a year. The average black American family brings in $35,000 a year, but the average Nigerian American family brings in $62,000 a year. And for people who don't know, Nigerians are black. <laughs> <laughs> They're black. But Chris, as a as an African American, like how do you how do you feel about what we're saying? Do you feel like like um because I know me and Sam, we grew up differently because we're parents were immigrants. Like, how do you feel like from your perspective? Um, okay, that's a, a black male that grew up in a um not a terrible neighborhood but not a great neighborhood working class working class neighborhood definitely blue collar uh shout out to Chinaview, texas um you say i always look at the difference between um uh, myself and some of my my um my classmates mm-hmm. and just thinking off the top of my head one i think it starts off with parents mm. um i think my me having both of my parents at home my father my, my my mother and my father and um always seeing them together love each other even though they had some different difficult times and my parents pushing me towards uh education excellence yada 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 i think that's one thing that's uh that's a huge factor in in growing our community is having uh both parties at home and having good parents i think that's a i think that's one factor um and they kind of like it's good having both parents home, but why? Like, what does that do for the child? Like, wait, because I, I think you'd explain that. Um, because uh, mothers, my mom was a nurturer. She's a she was an educator. She was a she was a college graduate, so she knew um, what it takes to be successful. And I think she she pushed me. She um, she had me in AP classes. She had me doing all these things that that were challenging me. And my dad was an example of a man. He was an example of a provider, of a uh, of a leader, hard um, worker, hard worker um, discipline. So I had the best of both worlds of being nurtured and also being led and pushed at the same time. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. So kind of what I see from what Chris said is he went to Channelview High School <laughs> from Channelview, Texas, mm-hmm. working class community, mm-hmm. and – he wasn't very different from his classmates. Wasn't very different. Uh, but what wasn't very different. He played football, all that kind of stuff. He's just a regular guy. But what was different was Chris's parents. Yes. And Chris's parents, even though he's the same as his classmates, they pushed him. Yes. They they set high expectations for him and because of that, he achieved them. Mm-hmm. Like his dad showed him what hard work was. And and look, bro, <laughs> that all those years of us working them fields, all that stuff. Black people know how to work hard. Yes. That's something that's inside of you. They're intelligent as well, Chris, because you took those AP classes and it was challenging, but you you stepped up to the level you were supposed to step up to and you succeeded in regards to that. Your mother nurtured you and she told you you were able to because mm-hmm. she was an educator and she seen what, so, what reinforcement can do for you. And I mean, I think that's an example of black privilege. And you get what I'm saying? I do. I definitely agree. And, uh, and not to boost myself or anything, but it was people out there that had a better situation than me that didn't succeed. So also, I think it's a it's a uh, it's a choice. Like people have to make a conscious decision: Am I gonna, you know, go to class? Am I gonna follow these group of people? Am I gonna do X, Y, and Z? I think it also becomes a personal choice to uh, actually go after the goals that you want to go to. 
because of the people you hang around with is also a huge factor. I I hung I I had the best of both worlds. Not going to lie. I, I in my classroom I hung out with a bunch of nerds and that was that was all smarter than me, like clearly smarter than me. And they I didn't want to look stupid all the time, so I worked harder. And then I also hung out with people that were um that were way cooler than me and and way more entertaining, way funnier than me. So I I didn't want to be lame, so it also made me cool and made me made me sociable. And uh so I think I think like like I said, my, my example was kinda kinda different, but I think it's the choices um we make as well as people who lead us at home if we have uh good parents as well. I think that's a, a huge factor. Man, that's really good. And and I can just see right now, I can just I'm always you know, I'm always playing devil's advocate. I'm always making sure we are fully understanding the situation and to shout out to Ray Sanders. I know there's so much depth in this conversation that we can really get into, but obviously with time constraints, we're, we're barely going to scratch the surface. But I know a lot of people are going to get mad at what Chris said about the personal responsibility. And I know a lot of people will feel like that's like Republican talk, like blaming the black person, like, oh, it's your fault that you're in your situation. It's your fault. You're down. You can pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And I think what people need to understand is that we're not blaming anybody mm-hmm. we, we definitely understand like sam wanted to go on a tangent about redlining and how the housing um markets really created these new ghettos that trapped african-americans into especially with the highways we could get into that we could talk about the school systems in which in some in like new jersey i think some schools put like 4,000 per kid while other schools put about 20,000 per kid. We can talk about the uh, employment opportunities in these neighborhoods. Like you drive down um, South Park, you drive down Third Ward, and it's like, where are these people going to find jobs? There's no jobs available. All these jobs in the city, and they're tech jobs, they're engineering jobs, there's jobs you need, these higher learning degrees, and these people didn't have opportunities to go to school, you know, because their, their public school education was so trash to even get to be able to present it for those jobs. So there's so much systematic issues that we understand is holding people back. And I don't want people to be like, oh, you guys, oh, you guys had a good upbringing. You guys are looking down upon these other people because we're not. We're not doing that at all. Um, but what we do want to say is that we understand that there is a mountain. There is a mountain. But when there is a mountain, you can do one of two things. You can complain about it or you can climb it. That's it. That's where we're at right now. We have to see that, yo, is there white supremacy? Yes. Are some people going to discriminate against you? Yes. Are there races out there? Yes. But so what? We have to overcome. You know what I mean? And we have to help build one another up. And that is what I see moving forward has to be our future. So many of us are trying to be shooting guards when we need to be point guards. So many of us want to have 60 points two rebounds no assists and be like yo we the mvp we have to learn how to not just allow us to succeed but allow other people to succeed because so many of us just want to be rich for sake of being rich and not help anybody out and i feel like we really need to come together as a people and really start handing out those assists yeah and just to rebuttal my my example is from channel view so if if anybody say they man they didn't have a system that was against them in Channel View, I don't believe that. They did that to themselves. But anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, just just to uh, agree with Hafiz, man, like, that's not, we're not blaming you or trying to put you down. And we know these systems are real. We know oppression is real. 
all that. Um, so yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And but Sam, I'm about to go ahead. Chris. No, 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 Sam. What were you about to say? Remember how you, you we were talking about um, with gentrification? Yeah, you know what I mean. And one of the things I was like going back to these assists is that gentrification is a good concept poorly executed because the idea of rebuilding broken communities are good but the poor execution is when you displace the indigenous people and you colonize it that's where it becomes problematic so what me and sam were talking about i want you to jump into this is how we should be gentrifying our own communities and instead of kicking people out, we should be building it up and we should be moving back into them. But the biggest problem is nobody wants to move back into the hood. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's a that's a really that's a really huge issue. And I think it starts with just the stigma against the neighborhoods that we come from. Uh, we're trained for so long it. And it starts with these ideas of oppression and just us not being worth as much that our neighborhoods and our own people aren't as good that we need to get up and move out. But that's so against everything that we are. I'm thinking of back. I'm thinking back to like my own people, like my pops, like he tells me like I came to America just so I could go back to Africa and help my own people. And that's what it should be about over here too. Like whenever we make it, whenever you do something good, it's your responsibility to be around your brother and to be an example to him. It's your responsibility to like give him an assist. Even if it's not financial, it's just, it's verbal. Like you being there to talk to him, man. Like we, we're scared of our own people. We think less of our own people. We're, we think that living in the third ward is less glamorous than living in Sugarland. When, when that's, that's who we are. You know, like we're running away from who we are because we've been trained to think that it's less valuable, man. And I, I feel like that's the most damaging thing ever because what that does is uh, it, it kind of fulfills that prophecy, you know, of the hood being good for nothing, of the hood being a place where nobody really makes it out, the hood being a place that's never going to change. Uh, and man, what? Yeah, I just man, we gotta change. We gotta change our mindset. We gotta start seeing value in ourselves and loving and loving ourselves. And man, I think. Man, I'm I'm not a fan of gentrification, <laughs> but if we keep running down, they're gonna keep coming in and taking what's ours, you know. So, mm. I don't know. Below. Oh man, how you feel, my man? Cause I I know young Chris over here, man. He's not going nowhere. Nah, heck no. He's not going nowhere. <laughs> oh man, it's the it's 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 so it's it's I see both sides to the story. Cause some people, uh man, gosh, this is so hard. Some people, when they have when they have a family and they live in quote unquote the ghetto or the hood, they think about their kids, and the kids like how can we provide them with the best opportunity to be educated, the best opportunity to uh, to grow up and uh, to play in the neighborhoods and think and X Y C et cetera et cetera. So like I understand, I don't understand, but I can get why people leave the hood um, because it's just. I mean, they're just scared. They're scared of. They're scared of what may happen. They're scared of. They they've been through it. They seen how hard their life has been mm-hmm. living in a certain neighborhood, and they wanted to provide the best opportunity for their family, so they leave. I get that, and I also get how it's damaging our community 
because since you have seen some kind of success, some kind of positivity, and you just run away from it and leave it, the neighborhood is not growing. The neighborhood is getting worse. There, there's no positive impact. I see both sides of it. And my reasoning is for for wanting to stay in my community is one, I'll be honest with y'all, like less traffic. It's so close to <laughs> so close to so close to downtown. But no, nah, because I, I really like my people. I really um I think I became really, really pro black after what happened during the summer, um, where all the shootings went on. And uh and I've just seen how how South Park, how Sunnyside, how Third Ward, how Fifth Ward became together and uh and really stood up you know against police brutality and and stood up not only for that but for themselves and i and i really like that i just was asking myself how can i impact uh my community and like i said not only being a financial advisor and wanting to help educate um black families with their finances but also just with the Urban League. Like, I knew it was something simple I can join that I can go in and make an immediate impact um, rather than trying to just sit there and, and think of ways myself. It's always already an organization that have programs, that have people working nine to five, have uh, volunteers to work around the clock to help people start businesses. They have, literally they have this, this small business university when they have a 10 week program of teaching you how to start a business from, from A to Z. That's amazing. <laughs> like, like amazing. they, they have it all. They yeah. literally how to get along, how to do everything. Yeah. And, uh, and they have, and then they just, like I said, they, they're already just there to help improve the black community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not I'm gonna at. happen if all the skilled, educated people leave, leave, yeah. and not, and not turn around and yeah. not help out. It, yeah, to me, I think I think about it like this. Let's say one point, the New England Patriots right now are the best team, right, in NFL. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tom Brady retires. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded. Mm-hmm. Then Brandon Spice gets traded. Right, and then uh, Julian Edelman leaves. Those are good players on then, the team. Yeah, yeah. sensational just, yeah. players. Like, then their head coach, role Bill, um, Bill, Be- uh, Bill Belichick, leaves. Eventually, if all your best players leave and nobody comes in, you're gonna be the best team year one, but you're gonna drop. That's what I see happening in so much of our black community. The best of the best, the smartest kids, the most successful people, everybody leaves. And then nobody comes back inside. And to go back to gentrification, because I know some people will be like, oh, you guys, I mean, we, we do live in the hood right now, but you guys didn't grow up in the hood. You guys know what it's like. You guys know about the gunshots and seeing your family members murdered and seeing the drug dealers. You guys know about all that stuff. Yes, I understand that. But here's what pisses me off. Not, not victim blame, not pointing the finger, is that. Black people, we're afraid of our own people and afraid of the the struggles and the difficulties of our communities. But these white people, they're not afraid. These white people are moving to Third World. They're moving to South Park. They're moving and they're gentrifying it. They know it's dangerous, but you know what? They see value in it. And guess what? In about five, ten years, they're going to beautify it. It happened in Atlanta. It happened in New York. These super dangerous neighborhoods, white people moved into it. They were not afraid, bro. That's what blows my mind. And they changed. Like it, it changes. It. They changed it. it. Changed you it. had you literally had white mothers drive. I mean, p- 
pushing their baby stroller three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the hood. Spike Lee talked about it. I saw it in Atlanta. They changed these communities because what? They were proactive, but we're afraid of them. And they're our people. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And it's happening in Houston over here, too. For those of you who do live here, there's been communities that have completely disappeared. Like, what happened to Second Ward? Doesn't we exist don't know. anymore, pretty much. This, this community disappeared. Like, the Heights, what it used to be in the 80s and the early 90s, It's that's not what it is we anymore. We were just doing a photo shoot at the Heights today. Yeah. it's Super safe. Talking about picket Saw fences. five police officers in about 10 seconds. Yeah, man. So... Man, it's the phenomenon is called brain drain, and it's something that's not unique to black communities in America, but it's something that's happening. Well, guys, something about me is my passion is I love the black community and I'm passionate about it, but my number one passion is Africa and all those people over there. And brain drain, which is the loss of your educated, talented people to other places, that's something that we've been suffering from a long time um, to America, Europe, the Middle East, and Whenever your most talented people, your doctors, your lawyers, your engineers leave and they don't have a desire to come back, oh man, it's it destroys you. Yeah. It destroys you. There's no models to look to. It changes your mindset. You you develop even more of that self-defeating behavior and we we got to we got to stop that brain drain. Don't don't build up others, man. Go go back and build yourself up. Go back and build your brothers and sisters up, man. Like we we can't be doing it. We can't be doing it. Mm. We can't lose our best and the brightest. We got to create more and more. Yeah, no, that's that's real good, man. Um, man, uh, your boy David Banner, David David Banner. <laughs> he was on the uh, he was on the Breakfast Club on Friday. His interview was bananas. His interview was bananas, and he was saying the same exact sentiment. You know what I mean? Like David Banner was talking about this idea of. We have to go, but we have to love one another. We have to build each other up. We have to build up these communities. And I said it, and people didn't like it when I said it a long time ago, but I truly believe it. Donald Trump was better for black people than Hillary Clinton. I know Ashton's going to get pissed off if he hears this, but hear me out. Sorry, Ashton. Donald Trump is better for black people than Hillary Clinton because, you know, what? Hillary Clinton is just another excuse to wait for the government to help us when the government's never going to help us. You know what I mean? Hillary Clinton was that symbol like, oh, my gosh, if we just get another. Come on. We did this with Bill. We did this with Obama. We've been doing this for years. If we just get this person on the presidential Oval Office, he will, she will save us. No, it is up to us. It is up to our communities. When Donald Trump got into office, we knew it. We knew for a fact the government wasn't for us. So now we have to go and do it ourselves. We got to do it ourselves. We got to do it ourselves. We build us. We got to do it ourselves. And I don't want, because we have a lot of amazing white fans, Asian fans, Latino fans, shout out to Sal. We got Indians too. Indian fans, shout Impact. out to Chris, Chris and them. We have so many amazing fans, and what I don't want them to hear is we're looking, we're we're demonizing their race and looking down upon their races or other people. No, we're saying that we see in our communities that there is a huge, huge problem. We see that there is a huge gap of opportunities, and there's so much needed, and we feel obliged and we feel like using our platform to help encourage empower and to uplift people to do better for themselves and their families so we're not saying black privilege 
to oppress other people, but we're saying black privilege to uplift our people. And in closing, Gary V, who was a super dope motivational speaker, he made a great quote. And he said, there's two ways to build the largest building in town. The first way is to simply just build the largest building in town. And the second way is to tear down everyone else's building. That's what we're not doing. We're not saying white people suck. We're not saying Asians suck. We're not tearing any other races. We're just trying to build up ours and create opportunities for children who don't have any. Amen. And on that note, I think we'll see y'all uh, after the break. We are the roommates, and this is the Conduit Podcast Network. Okay, we are back. We are back. We are back. And Chris, during the break, was talking about his bad barbershop experience. You went to some tragic, bro. And man. we want to. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about it. We all listen, listen, listen. As black men, we all go through barbershop experiences with multiple different. I don't care barbers. He, she, it does all of them. They just they. Ah, man. Let me tell you, bro. <laughs> So I'm on the University of Houston campus, right? Oops. Yeah, you just moving stuff around. Anyways, no, um, doing. so I had an appointment at six thirty. I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, my I had an RA meeting at nine, so I was like, man, that's plenty of time, right? In my mind, wrong. So I didn't have a car at that time because my car was dead for whatever reason. I had to walk all the way to Bayou Oaks. So Is it who CV, I think it was? You daggum right yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. CV Three to Bayou Oaks. All right, so <laughs> I am. I'm walking there. I get there, right? That's about a. That's about half a mile. I get there. It's probably about six fifteen at this time. So we all know when you you can we like as black men that went to barbershop, we can estimate the amount of time that it could take for the barber to cut somebody's hair. So I get there. I'm expecting to see one person in front of me. That means one person's in the chair. That means he is almost finished, right? So I get to his room, right? There's a person in his chair. There is two others individual waiting. And then there's me. Oh. So I'm just like. He told you 615 though? He told me 630. Come at 630. I got you. Dang, that man. was his text message. I'm there at 615. I see a person in the chair. Two people waiting. Not doing anything. So I'm like, all right. I must be next. You know, my appointment is set. I'm good. Wrong. Next person shows up. He uh He gets in the chair. A person that wasn't in there. Oh, dang. So he came in he after He came you, in after and me. And he skipped you. And he skipped me. Damn. And see, this was, I have a, this look. I had talked to my boy, Emmanuel, and he, he, we had came up with a, uh, a theory. It's okay to have multiple barbers. What? No, no. Yes, it no, is. No, Just no, because no. of the bullery and stuff like that you go through. It's like, yeah, yeah, come at, come at nine. Sure, you get there at nine, you got a whole line of people. Because barbers do that on purpose. But I'm saying, yeah, because they, they got to keep business. They're in it for themselves. But, but if I'm in a hurry and you told me to show up at nine. But Chris. And I, you realize I didn't get my hair cut to nine o'clock that night? Yeah, and you still. And I was showed up yeah, late. You should have. Oh, dang. But Chris, if you go to different barbers, they can't treat you the same. You get what I'm saying? It's like switching doctors. They don't. They don't got your. They don't got your health history. I don't know they that. They don't. They don't have don't your know medical history. Let's, let, okay. So then, right. how can they treat you? They don't so know what you're allergic so to. You telling, they don't know what. So you telling me that if you go to another barber, like just say you have one that you go to. Oh yeah, you know I got one. Time. I go to. You got. You got HB. HB. Right. Uh, yes. And say you at HB, HB Picasso. Tripping. HB Picasso. 
you telling me if H B is tripping, hasn't seen you, hasn't been texting you back, ain't been doing yeah. nothing, you wouldn't go to another barber. You just wait. Now let me explain with an anecdote of my own. Okay. Now, one time I went down to Plaza Barbershop, corner of MLK and OST. Best barbershop ever. Okay. Okay. I went down to Plaza Barbershop because I needed a cut. But I didn't text HB first. All right. And I showed up to the shop. It was early in the morning, maybe eight, nine o'clock. And I went over there and nobody was in there. And this dude came up to me and I was like, hey, bro, you see where HB is? He's like, man, I don't know where he is. And I was like, dang, man, I need to give me a cut real quick. Old boy said, hey, you know what? I'll just give you a cut. And I was like, hey, you cut hair? And, bro, he, he had game. He was like, oh, yeah, bro, I've been cutting hair, man. Yeah, I cut hair, no problem. This old raggedy-looking man, and I trusted him. Okay. I sat down, man, cut my hair. And it just felt like regular haircuts, doing what he was doing. He's not as thorough as HB, not as artistic as HB. Mm -hmm. Those strokes weren't master strokes, you feel me? But he cut my hair regardless, and then we finished. You know, and I I feel like, okay, great. I still got my haircut done. This guy's a plaza barbershop. He must be good. I finished. I paid the man. Because mm-hmm. he didn't give me the mirror. I paid the man. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I did look at the mirror. I looked in the mirror. The one he put in my hand. I looked at it. It was like, okay, it looks straight. And then I walked outside after I paid him. I tipped him, too. Okay. I was pissed off. I went outside, looked in the mirror, Chris. Nothing. My hairline was at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> my hairline was at a 45-degree angle. Not just Got that. Him. Not just that, but it was pulled back. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. And it was pulled but back. See, the thing no, is- no, no, no. Next time I went back and I saw HB, HB said, damn, what happened to you? <laughs> I said, I came to the barbershop. Someone cut me, and this is what they did. I would never, ever go to another barber than the barber that I know. So, so your answer is no to my first question. Never. All right, so I disagree with that. Because to me, my time is valuable. I'm not about to sit here and wait for your time. If I'm a client that's consistently going to and you treat me like this, I can take my business somewhere else. Because you to me, can. but to me, you know where you messed up at? Because you never seen him cut anybody's hair. Now, if I go to a shop and I know my barber is tripping and I know somebody at the shop that can cut hair, because to me, a daggum fade, taper fade, edge up. One person do it, another person do it. It's like, eh, it's not that much of a difference to me. Like I said, to me. So I'm not about to sit here and let you screw over my time. And fellas, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think having multiple barbers is wrong. If you have a one and you have a two, nah. I think it's fine. No, no, no. I don't think you can do that. You got to stick with your guy. Uh-uh. Not you got to stick with your guy. No, 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 no. You got to stick with your because, guy. Because, like, as a client... You have to be treated a certain way. You telling me Chick-fil-A ch- treat anybody like that? Nah, Chick-fil-A, they treat you with the utmost And class. you keep coming back to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but as soon as Chick-fil-A screw up, you be like, you know what? I may choose Whataburger today. I'm, I'm, Matt, look. Look. You just got to build a good relationship and you won't get played. No, 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 no. It's not always bulletproof. It's not always bulletproof. You telling me HB never lets you down that one time. HB Boom, let me, I'm done. HB let me down one time. You right here. HB let me down one time. But that's because, look, B-Lo, his haircuts take longer than a regular 30 minutes, bro. All right, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Well, what... oh, oh, okay, okay. I'm going to concede a tiny bit. You can have a backup barber on emergencies. Exa- that's what, that's what I'm On emergencies. You. But you can't be flip-flopping. I, didn't, I did not say you go to one barber next week and then go to bar the other week. I didn't say nah, that. I you just gotta, said as a backup. You got to have a guy who knows you. When your person is tripping, it's okay to have a backup. Yeah, bro. But if your barber's really that great, you can wait. 
man. Mm-hmm. And, and if you pay him extra, I you bet say, you say if he's really that great, he can wait. He can treat you any kind of way. No, no, no. no. Not, not he can treat you anyway, man. But shoot, bro, I bet you tip him. Put you in front of that line. That's true. Yeah, I do. I do believe that. Yeah, but I'm just saying that I, I, I had some. That that one experience with where I was waiting for three hours, I shouldn't have did that. No, I should have cussed him out enough. No, I'm just saying. Well, yeah, for him you should have, because his haircuts aren't that good. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> He's very famous. But he, man, but see, he 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 cut good on my hair, and the thing is, I remember I had a lot of hair. I needed to get cut. I had my mind made up, and it just I I I committed. When I once I committed, I was like, man, I'm already here an hour and a half. What's another hour at this point? Nah, man. Look, nobody changes their no one change. People don't change their hairdresser. People don't change the person that braids their hair because everybody does it different. And you gotta find somebody you're comfortable with, Chris. So, but to me, braids you could you could braid any girl, any whoa, black woman can whoa, braid their all hair. Right, all right, all right, all right, yes, all right, all right. Yes, there's people who braid so, their hair so hard you get a headache. Guys, hit us up. Send us email. Is it okay to switch up barbers, hairstylers, hairdressers, this, that, and the third? We want to know. We want to hear your opinion. But. Uh, sadly, guys, faithfulness. Our time has come to an end. What about loyalty? What about customer service? So, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is black your boy. Black people love you, young poppy. You hey, mean? this your boy Samkan. Y'all, That's my so, reggae name. Are you kidding me right now? Y'all, Samkan. This is Chris and Starsh. Something wrong. And we are the roommates, and we are on the Conway Podcast Network, and this has been the best hour of your week. We want to say thank you to all of our fans. We appreciate all your comments and messages. Please, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can search us under the Roommates Podcast. And, hey, if you like what you have heard today, we need you to tell <laughs> your friends about us. Share the podcast on your social media. Be our ambassadors. Let people know where they can experience your best hour of the week. We are the roommates. Oh, wait, is- wait. What? Wait. Shout out to Danielle Miles for sharing our stuff. I forgot. We are- oh, yeah. yeah. Danielle Miles. We and love you. Who else, Dad Gummy? Who else shouted it out? Hey, shout out to your babies, too. Young Trey and Alex. I was. I, I thought you looked at me when you said my baby. I was like, what baby? <laughs> now, you know your baby. I don't, uh, anyway, you don't want me to say right, that. We'll holler at you guys later. We are the roommates. Adios.